Hello and welcome back to You Should Probably Worry Darling, the uh, the recap podcast of the Don't Worry Darling press tour. This week on the podcast, um, is there going to be an all-out brawl at the Venice Film Festival and who do you think would win? And is Harry Styles going to run away from it? Uh, hi. <laughs> uh, that's Hunter Heilman. I'm Jesse Nussman. This is Film Inquiries, the latest. Um, it is the talking. latest news. It is the latest news is whatever's going on. It's on this controversial don't, news, baby. Don't, Ooh, don't worry, darling. Press tour. That's probably going to be a nine hour podcast. I have a feeling <sighs> if... <laughs> Oh, what is the tea? The girls are fighting. <laughs> what? No, I mean, oof, this is, I mean, it is quick. It is quick. It's like they posted, they posted that, um, that clip of Harry Styles acting in the movie. And then suddenly it just, <laughs> it opened up a Pandora's box of chaos. I, I saw a trailer for that that movie when I went and saw the movie we are going to be talking about this week. I also did and, as well. And was just like, I I mean, I'm I'm still I love Florence Pugh so much. I'm I'm still excited to see her in it. But I was just sort of like, well, if I can't believe we still have a month almost before <laughs> a it's month giving, to um... drudge up all, all of it. It's it's just the. I, I, think I would rather I'm, watch like a Hearts of Darkness like production documentary of it more right. than the movie itself. Now, what I kept what I kept thinking that I was like struggling to build up to was just like, do you, is is the press tour just going to be more interesting than the movie itself? Like, All this like, for what? a Stepford Wives <laughs> ripoff? Are you kidding me? Right, I written was just by like... the people who wrote uh like a million like Asylum sci fi original movies like Titanic two and like all that like come on y'all i i was just like i hope whether good or bad that this lives up and is the kind of like is at least like a hot text to to unpack i needed to either be like on. really good where it was like wow this was all worth it or have it be so bad that it's just ironic and just like wow y'all really fought over this movie i i will be satisfied if it's just sort of like this doesn't work as a movie, but this is fascinating. It's just like oh, it's our it's an, an, already an, achieved uh, that. Yeah, we've gotten like to that anthropological celebrity piece of a product. Honestly, to just I be kind of packed over the generation, but it's also kind of the first real drama that we've gotten from like the tw the film Twitter girls. Mm. These aren't like I mean they are a list celebrities, but like they exist in a different plane than like a julia they're not a they're like b-list but like these are like all people who have kind of like taken film twitter by storm like people who are quote cinephiles or whatever like you know it's not like this isn't like brad and angelina drama but it it's kind of the first like major scandal we've gotten from this kind of like letterbox generation of movies and that's fun Yes. That well, and, like the bodies, bodies, bodies thing, but that didn't really, uh, that only involved one celebrity uh, and it involves a non-celebrity who is now writer. a celebrity. And I don't think she and wishes a, she was one, right. but yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a fascinating getting, last couple weeks. Things are getting messy. <laughs> things are getting messy in the film Twitter world. I love it. Uh, well this week, uh, we're talking about, um, 3000 years. Speaking longing. of messy. 
Yes. Uh, uh, the, no, I mean, that was harsh. Kind I of. I quite, I quite liked it, but like. I, was, I do too. I don't, we'll I don't get, think we'll, I'm going to. We'll, we'll, dig we'll it. unpack it. But this is, but I, I think messy is a good objectionable term that I would agree with. I can with use it in both a positive and negative sense for yes. this. This is the new wildly ambitious, um, to coin a phrase from a different podcast, sort of blank check movie from George Miller. Uh, clearly him taking all of his, uh, Fury Road cachet and just sort of saying who wants to finance this like weird genie romance that I've been trying to get made since the 90s. Really fitting in that like, okay, listen, I know I have to make like a Fury Road sequel. Right. Let me just squeeze something in there just real Mm. quick right before Mm. then. Yeah. So essentially this movie stars Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Tilda Swinton plays a... She is a, a storiologist, an academic narratologist. who a narratologist. narratologist. I thought it was storyologist. Okay, no. But she, did she's you not pay ex- attention to any of the movie? You didn't even see it, did you? You haven't even. I did. Seen it. I, I was too distracted it. by the 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 colors and the or the papyrus, um, the papyrus subtitles. Do you that think James Cameron's mad? And took up. Well, he already changed it. <laughs> Even in the Avatar, um, like re-release trailer, which honestly, I am kind of excited to see that in IMAX again. Um, but like, even then, they changed it on that. I'm like, ooh, Ryan Ren- or Ryan Gosling. We, we don't we don't say shut, that name here. I don't know if you listened to up. last week's episode, but Joe Biden has before he canceled student debt decided he was going to do us all a solid and. Uh, erased free guy from the the national archives and so listen we, we have a we no lot bigger have to talk about that i'm sorry right we can go between the ryans all day but we need to tackle um we need to tackle chris pratt first <laughs> do you think james cameron just saw that snl sketch and was just like shit absolutely oh <laughs> i don't think they would have i i i don't think that they would have changed it had they not known like people were like Ugh, about it uh well there's a lot of papyrus in this movie which uh as, kind of fits as we were, actually it does kind of fit um as we said Tilda Swinton plays a a narratologist she is an an expert in the ways of storytelling and she is in which city is it is it Istanbul. Morocco is it no it's Istanbul? Istanbul Turkey um for a conference goes to uh really a, didn't a, see the movie did you the local marketplace she sees a little bottle the Grand She's Bazaar like, of Istanbul. I that's, found a that's, memento. A, that's a cute little memento i will take that home um should also mention she is staying in the the agatha christie suite yeah where she hotel. wrote um murder on the Orient express murder on the Orient express and uh decides to do some cleaning and rub that little bottle and poof who who comes out but uh a genie or a gin i guess technically but they're the same thing right a genie i don't know um there, for for the sake of conversation, if there's any mythos people, they can call me out on Twitter. But a gin, a genie, whatever we want to call it, played by Idris Elba, pops out of the bottle and agrees to grant her three wishes. Tilda Swinton is like, I don't know what to wish for. I feel p- pretty content in my life. And then we get this movie that I feel like is being sold as a crazy, wild George Miller action epic, but is actually, though still a crazy, weird movie in a lot of ways, is mostly... Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton having conversations in a hotel room about the the various 
philosophical musings with wish making as well as sort of narrative structure and narrative storytelling and the gin uh going through this kind of like anthology um collection of stories about his previous owners that all sort of reveal something about him and what he wants out of life and that too sort of allows the Tilda Swinton character to find something about what she wants out of life and then I, it kind of turns into this fantasy romance towards the end. Yeah. Did, did I do a good job of sort of summarizing yeah, the absolutely. everything this movie is? Absolutely. The trailer begins with like from the mad genius of George Miller and I'm like this is more along the lines of like it's got some like crazy shit in it but it's also some like real paired back like lorenzo's oil type of like it it felt very um witches of eastwick even though that's not a movie he wrote but another like very loose very kind of silly like existing in a fantasy fantasy. world that has like a a tender a real tender side to it the title of this movie i think explains a lot of the movie far more than the trailer does because when you Mm. see the trailer it's like wow it's this kind of like huge debaucherous like crazy like acid trip of a movie and then you're like, wow, but why is it called 3,000 Years of Longing? That sounds like a drama romance, but it's mm-hmm. not that. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, wait, no, it is that. It's the weird flip of like for months, like before this movie premiered at Cannes, I guess, um, I'd been hearing like that, oh, yeah, it's it's less Mad Max. It's more of this sort of like um, fantasy romance and is is a little bit more. It's not as assaultive as fury road was and then um it premiered at Cannes, and there was that trailer and so it was like oh i guess it is crazier than what i've heard and then now having seen the movie it's like oh no if, all if the, can critics all the don't things. do fucking anything <laughs> it's overhype something to the point where you're like wow yeah but it's like oh okay so this was the movie i had like original the vibe i had originally kind of heard of from the beginning it's just yeah. the marketing then wound up being misleading instead of the other way around well mgm is like pretty fresh new back on the scene of distributing stuff and they spent 60 million dollars on this movie so like they got to get asses in seats somehow which mm. if i'm being honest haven't checked the the box office dailies today i have a feeling they're probably not going to do that but yeah this is a movie i could see being kind of like a big bomb theatrically but then like five six years down the road there'll be some sort of like you know re re uh rediscovery happening and you'll see a bunch of people on t- film twitter being like man can you believe we just sort of like passed over and ignored george miller's movie i already see pe- oh the number one movie yesterday was the invitation that uh... like natalie we are truly in the last week of august um <sighs> Wow. Um, where is three thousand years of longing on here? MGM must not have reported it yet. It's not on here, and I know for a fact it made more money than Lightyear. There was like six people in my theater last night. Was not a very big theater, but six. See, six I saw were it. There. <laughs> I saw it at the where I work in a theater that seats over a thousand. That was built in nineteen twenty six, so it's very mm-hmm. ornate and beautiful, and it really did inform the uh the viewing like experience of it Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't i can't imagine it's gonna be making a ton of ton of money because i think the people who are gonna go see it thinking it's one thing are gonna come away and then be like oh yeah and then word of mouth i mean word of mouth is kind of killer 
with this and if people tell you it's not the same movie as the trailer even if like that's not necessarily like a negative thing it's more just kind of like a lateral move in my opinion uh, yeah i would say this is i think less that a movie still doesn't like... bode well for general audiences right i i think this is something that like people craving hardcore fantasy people who are craving a kind of original adult fantasy stories and, and people who are really fascinated with like mythology will probably gravitate to this movie or discover it over the yeah. years. But um, I'm curious your thoughts on it. I haven't really discussed it with you at all in kind of like text message groups that we're in what your kind of takeaways from this movie are. And I'd be fat. You and I have never had a George Miller conversation, so I don't really know your, your feelings about the larger career arc of this very very kooky australian director i enjoyed that he 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 just sort of did the tom cruise thing of like beaming onto my movie screen like a little looking like a little gizmo wizard who'd be like tinkering in some sort of like tatooine shop on a star wars uh, movie yeah did I, I mean wait so i'm assuming you're started with the like thank you so much for coming out to our little yeah, film yeah. and it's like <laughs> sir you're fucking you're this is a 60 million dollar movie um yeah um i okay so when it comes to george miller i do not think george miller has ever made a bad film that being said i do think he's made some that are close um particularly i am not a huge i like the first happy feet movie i'm not a huge fan of the second one i don't think See, it's I'm, bad i'm a little reverse i i really dislike the first one and really the second, the second one i think at least has like a clear idea of like what it wants to be yeah. about um i also think like babe pig in the city is great um yep i genuinely believe and don't read me for this um obviously fury road is my favorite mad max movie it's everyone mm -hmm. it's most people's favorite mad max movie if we're talking about what my favorite original trilogy mad max movie is you you like the the tina it's, turner it's one thunderdome That's... bitch it's thunderdome <laughs> and it's not even close i don't know what people are fucking on about that movie is great um yeah no i think george miller is incredibly consistent and i think he's made some truly amazing movies obviously fury road was kind of just that like once in a life not even once in a lifetime like a once in a generation type of movie because mm -hmm. that once in a lifetime implies that every filmmaker is going to get to make that type of movie in their lifetime and it's nothing of the sort um yeah it's it's crazy and um and uh, 3000 years of longing does not um does not end that streak for me um mm. even though it's not near the top of my george miller uh george miller list uh i do think it's interesting that for this movie they really kind of like leaned into the like from the mad genius of like george miller and i'm like okay cool after fury road i absolutely see why we could do that but like his his rep like repertoire of, of films under his belt don't necessarily suggest mad genius as much as like really versatile like mm -hmm. crazy i mean it is kind of mad in the sense of like yeah he did fury road but he also did the second babe movie not the first one but the second one and also did both happy feet movies like it's it's one of those things but but also he did the all of the mad maxes it's just really well we could argue about Thunderdome, but, um, you know, 
that's a that's a Steven Spielberg poltergeist situation. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Three Thousand Years Longing. I think it's a beautiful film. I don't know how to describe its visual style other than um, if this movie were made five to ten years ago, I think it would have been released in three D and been one of the best usage of it in the year. Mm-hmm. In the way that like Life of Pi was, where you're like, this isn't the type of movie that I would suggest like expect to be in 3d but i'm glad it is now it's not but i still think it's beautiful i do think that like it's not as grand as mgm is trying to spin it as it is a 60 million dollar movie but it's not a 60 million dollar movie and in that case it kind of feels like a miracle because you're like god damn how did this movie get funded in 2022 other than just on the back of george miller's post fury road movie um it, it is it is very intimate and very um very reflective. It's whimsical in a way. It's very whimsical and the trailer I feel like makes it out to be like this kind of dangerous like ooh she's going to wish for something and he's going to fuck her over type thing. But it's like no, this is a romance movie and mm. that like and Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba have real chemistry where yeah. you're like what is this i did not expect this but also i'm rooting for this absolutely Two people you wouldn't expect to work together but actually like work together quite so well and are so like yeah. tender and sweet it, with each other and i and i think th- those parts of the movies are of the movie is the strongest point to me where it's like i just like seeing them interact with each other they're just in this hotel room and he's telling stories to her about his 3,000 years of being trapped in various bottles and falling for various women that get him, like, get him entrapped into these, like, situations. And it's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it didn't bowl me over. Like, again, it's very whimsical. It's quite slight, if we're, if we're being honest in the grand scheme of George Miller films. But also, I think this is kind of the first film of his where I think he really got full carte blanche. I think like with Fury Road he did, but he he knew he had to back his shit up to like justify Warner Brothers giving him the budget and the freedom that they gave him. And he had something really good with that. This is what you said earlier. This is absolutely just a blank check movie of mm-hmm. like, oh cool, we need like you're gonna make a movie between Fury Road and Furiosa. Um, we are a studio who's really trying to come back from the brink of extinction. Um, we will give you literally whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Have fun. And some of that works. Some of it doesn't. I do think um, its third act kind of falls apart. That's that's the least the 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 part of the movie for me that I kind of lost interest. The point where it grinds um, to the- a. Halt. right it feels like the movie reaches a conclusion um long of these before two, these two characters sort of finding each other and then there's kind of like another 30 minutes left of the movie of like what their life is sort of it's like oh codependently cool. living together let's do yeah, this but, subplot about tilda swinton's racist neighbors right for right. what it, <laughs> that, that was a very strange part in in the movie but but yeah i would say like the last how what 20 30 minutes of the movie something like that yeah i would i would say i i is i really enjoyed the movie up until then when like you said it's just them in the hotel room and um idris elba telling her stories about his um prior adventures and 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 
owners is that the correct term masters whatever yeah, it is it these gets women to this he's point calling. where it's like oh here's this climax here's this climax and okay all right yeah. that's it cool awesome oh it's right. not over i, I enjoyed the oh, arabian cool. nights kind of section of the movie where it's it's them conversating and then these flashbacks to that yeah. are more broadly fantasy um but yeah then once it it turns more into this once it reaches the kind of romantic climax of the movie it feels like there's 30 minutes left and that's when i was sort of checking my watch kind of yeah. and was a little felt the movie as you said kind of grinding to a halt and there kind of isn't much more to do and this isn't a long movie it's not no like, it's, very it's not short. like two and a half hours it's like maybe a hundred with credits like it's not bad yeah but i think like, it's like an hour 45 or something like that when yeah. i checked last night yeah it's not super long but like there is a point when the pacing just like cuts off and it's like oh cool i think it kind of comes together maybe for like the the like last two or three minutes like the final sure. kind of epilogue of the film i thought that was yeah. really effective but up between where you can very clearly feel the air change in this movie to that final kind of two or three minutes i'm just like oh okay this is what we're doing cool all right right yeah um, it because it becomes of like very slow gentle version of like every movie you've ever seen where it's like lonely person who gets magical creature that comes and lives with them what kind of whimsical stuff will they get up to it, or, yeah or, it's a little like it's a little shape of watery almost right right or, like, or splash or like yeah in, but insert any here, movie like here's the harry and the hendersons whatever it's maybe a little <laughs> bit more splash because it is really lighthearted, and also you can really understand why tilda swinton wants to fuck him as opposed to the fish um right. but like <laughs> Like, you're like oh yeah i get that it's yourself in my room with like sharp ears absolutely um and he makes whatever the little like what are the little pistachio treats he makes her oh yeah the chickpea pistachio i can't remember what the middle thing was but um i, I never understood what it was but it looked delicious yeah and apparently it makes people unracist um <laughs> yeah no it's um it's it, it is like a really interesting movie i think in theory, and I would say about 60% of the time in execution. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't a point in the film, though, where I wasn't deeply appreciating it, though. No, I think... Where I was I like, think I'm me... glad a movie like this exists. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost glad that I'm not, like, head over heels for it. Because I do miss the days when something could just be good, not great, but also a $60 million in, like, not, like, just romance movie with two respected adult actors mm. like i mean granted idris elba uh, uh, appeals to a lot of different audiences tilda swinton is very much so kind of like the art house audience mm -hmm. the only most mainstream people really only know her as like the white witch or um the one for what's her fucking name and um dr strange Either oh way. yes um you know, most people really only know her for that. And it's like, oh no. But there was, I never once took the experience of this movie for granted. And I want more just like, that was solid. It's probably not going to win any Oscars at the end of the year. Maybe production design, not winning, but like. Should be nominated. Nominated. Like production design's gorgeous. Costumes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, They're fun. I, the sets, I think, are the best part of this movie. Yes, and definitely. And, um. Yeah, it's it's just it's ambitious and it's not always successful and I appreciate that 
as much as I do a movie where I'm like, ah, 10 out of 10. Wonderful. Right. Um, because like a movie that's like good, not great when it's like something you've seen a million times before. It's just like, whatever. Like uh, it's the worst type of review to write because you're, it, it's so hard to like eke out words for like, it's fine. Um, for something like this, it's like that same level to me of like, I thought it was okay, but there's so much more for me to appreciate in terms of what it was doing. It's just, it kind of floundered in some of the things it was trying to do, but I will always appreciate someone trying to do something rather than just existing in this kind of like boring middle ground of like safe. Yeah. I enjoyed it in sort of thinking about it in the context of Miller's kind of long career. Um, I like watched all of his movies during like the very early part of the pandemic. I remember that sort of was, was thinking, thinking about this in the context of that and Miller being someone who is like very interested in sort of creating mythology and mythology that feels like very bare bones and, and built and feels like it is like whispered throughout history and generations. I mean, the Mad Max movies increasingly are about that. Like the only one that doesn't really have any of that mythology is kind of the first one. Um, yeah. And that's kind of just cause that, I don't know about you. I always think of that first Mad Max movie to the second one is like evil dead one to evil dead two. Oh, like absolutely. The, fir- the first one is like, the, here's my rough draft version of this idea. Mm. And then the second one is yeah. like, Oh no, 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 no. I went back and did like a second draft and this is the Mad Max one. It's one of those things of like, this is my last fucking shot. This mm. is it. This is like, I am putting everything I have into this, every dollar, every piece of like my soul and energy into this one fucking movie if it doesn't work out it's probably over for me he had one shot and he took it and it like paid off you know it's that kind of like just kind of magic in a bottle teeny tiny micro movie like magic that then bloomed into the biggest thing you could imagine in terms of just like scale and like just sheer volume of a movie yeah it's more of a kind of like straightforward kind of exploitation revenge movie and then the second one is when that series becomes this sort of like apocalyptic mythic tale of this like wandering warrior and like warring classes of people in like post-apocalyptic australia um and so what mill it it made sense to me that then he would be fascinated in wanting to tell a story that is about the art of storytelling in a weird way, because I think so much of that fuels the Mad Max movies. And there's even a little bit of that in like the happy feet movies from what I remembered of like, they have their own kind of stories and mythos and like traditions that get passed around the horny penguins in those movies. Yeah. And I, I also just enjoyed this as like a visual experience. Like George Miller, I think is a very, is very underrated as like, a very expressionist filmmaker. And even, even in movies of his that you would not imagine like having kind of crazy visuals, like babe, babe pig in the big city that you mentioned, like George Miller was very heavily involved in the first babe, but like did not direct it. And part of the reason like directing a second one was, um, as I understand a little bit of like 
oh, I put I put my friend in the position to direct this other movie, and now all of a sudden it's getting all this acclaim. Well, fine, I'll I'll do the second one and I'll show them. Um, but like Pig in the Big City is a crazier, cartoonier movie than even the first Babe, and even something like Lorenzo's Oil, which see which on paper seems like his version of like a fall like awards bait it's movie pretty crazy has like some crazy wild visual yeah. choices in it and like mo the like use of like opera music in that movie is really interesting um even though it is what we would think of as like a more kind of muted drama medical yeah. drama or something like that um and and so i just enjoyed that this movie let him kind of get weird and wild with the visuals even if it's not the sort of ex- assaultive experience of Mad Max. Yeah. And seeing this in the context of like, he's fascinated by stories and mythology and doing a movie about like, how do we relate to other stories? Um, and how do we learn something about ourselves and what we want out of the world and how we connect to others through telling stories? Um, I mean, it, it just... I, I've seen some complaints online of people saying like, the stuff in the bedroom with... Swinton and Elba doesn't really connect to the like flashbacks he's saying, but I totally disagree with that. I do too. Those flashbacks inform, you know, she comes to that conversation of like, I I feel content with my life. I have no idea what to ask for. And he's like, let me tell you why you're wrong, bitch. Let me tell you everything I've fucking seen in my years. Right. And through that, she sees through him of like, oh, here's this incredibly lonely creature person whatever we want to call you're far from the first person i've seen who's tried to pull this shit on me right you're what 50 maybe (laughs) i'm a mortal bitch yeah and and it's but she sees this like incredibly lonely person in him and then she's like i feel the same way as this genie and the things he's longing for and the connectiveness with another person maybe that's what i really want and maybe him and I can give each other that. And I I just thought that was really sweet. And that, that kind of feeding into what we said about the last 20, 30 minutes, not quite working is because it feels like the climax and the sort of wrap up of this movie is like, Oh no, these two lonely people find it, realize they need each other and then form this beautiful genie humanoid hybrid relationship. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird kind of wrap up to a very interesting kind of setup. Um, and I don't know, I love, I I just really do like the idea of a movie like this just being as visually stunning as, as it is, but still being like an R-rated adult drama mm-hmm. or like R-rated adult romance. It's a very tender movie and like MGM mismarketed the fuck out of it um no yeah and like usually that's pretty like malicious when like studios do that this one i'm like i get why because again there's a lot of money behind this they just it's, they, it's just, a hard sell i think it to like is. A, a, a mainstream audience yeah um so yeah and it, and it's not being marketed to the art house audiences despite the fact it's playing in some art house theaters like right MGM, that's a big studio they're trying to like put stuff out they're owned by fucking amazon now like it's it is it is an art house movie with like a mainstream it's movie kind of budget. gaggy it's kind of gaggy that this got a theatrical release but like 13 lives didn't right 13 <laughs> lives was like a was like the a prime video casualty and this was like no we'll put this in theaters yeah um 
yeah, no, but I, I, I do, I do kind of miss the times when a big budget, very visually sumptuous movie didn't necessarily have to be like a comic book movie, right? Or like even an action movie. Like this movie doesn't have any like violence, really. There's like a little bit, but like it's all about it's all just kind of in context of the storytelling of like the Sultan goes to war and you see like a brief moment of violence. It's not this kind right. of like really heavy like i don't know it's not it's not action-packed and i think like there is such a there's such a a big swath of movies that i think can really like exist nicely in that i think of something almost like um this is so not the same type of movie but i i think of something kind of almost like downton where it's like a whimsical Mm. drama but you can very much so tell a lot of money went into this and there's a lot of like visual elements that like a movie with a a typical film from a typical studio would probably get maybe a third of the budget and not have as much to work with but um you know you know what movie this kind of made me think of just now and sort of thinking about like the just the the production value you see on screen but also like it 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 made me think of um the fall that tarzan movie okay so fun story in terms of like the 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 over the top kind of ridiculous visuals but also that movie is also kind of a movie about storytelling from what i remember and i i think this movie is almost like a better version of that because I it's think it's like the fall and like some of like Life of Pi, where it's like just yeah. huge, like huge visuals, but like an intimate story. Another one I thought of, I was thinking when I saw it, I was like, this is like Life of Pi mixed with, and it's funny that you mentioned the fall because the one I was going to mention was another Tarsum Singh movie, a not as good one, but visually, I was like, this reminds me a lot of like Immortals. Do you remember that? Oh, like yeah. Henry Cavill, like it's got Man, that. I kind forgot. Of- Mickey Rourke's in it? Yeah, it's okay. So here's the the thing. Not a great movie. Beautifully shot. Beautifully shot. Because Tarzan Singh can make anything look good except for that one Ryan Reynolds movie he did. Um, but like, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, it's almost got this like renaissance painting um element to it of like a living, breathing kind of work of art. Not necessarily like I don't know. It's just got this like really um like almost painted element to it it's yes, really it's really yes. gorgeous and that's it, it everything that, feels exaggerated mm-hmm. in in it and but also like tactile and you feel yeah. like you it doesn't just feel like zeros and ones even though there's clearly like a lot of cgi in here to like extend sets and stuff yeah. like there is something very like tangible and handmade about yeah. everything while also being kind of exaggerated and cartoonish yeah you know and there's just like there's these like kind of moments where you actually kind of see the like less I guess I don't want to say exaggerated but like the less cinematic moments that are real that like real life would offer in a moment like this so like I think of like that scene where he's talking about um the sultan and his like preferred concubine and he throws these like big silk things down mm, and she mm-hmm. like rides them up and I think in any other like type of um like blockbuster movie it would be like this seamless like beautiful moment but you see in the background his like uh you see in the background his servants like struggling to pull her up and it's like this moment where it's like yeah it's beautiful for them but it kind of does give this whole like i don't know this kind of big picture 
feel of everything that's going on to where it's like both beautiful but also kind of ugly in a funny very human way it's it's george it's got the george miller sense of humor i mean that's the other kind of comparison point to something like the fall or some of the other like tar sim stuff is like it's like a movie like the fall is so deathly serious but also like i think why i enjoy something like this is it has the same sort of thematic connections to stories we tell and like what that says about like our experiences but um and with the like crazy over the top visuals but i i think george miller has like a kooky whimsical sense of humor that is like embedded in everything and so like like there there's a whole sequence where like like musical sequence where um uh i forget one of like a king or something king is Sol- trying to king seduce. solomon is playing for queen of the queen of sheba yes it's a and, gorgeous and it's scene. This, like silly little guitar muppet thing that he's playing and then like in her kind of like palace of people is like a fish man and a talking giraffe yeah. and like a weird squid creature and stuff and like they're all like gasping and like ooh, yeah he's not this, telling like, this from it well it, it it informs the it very much so informs the like storytelling aspect of this yeah these are kind of like living myths mm-hmm. as opposed to like him being like this is what actually happened it's him being he, it's him telling a story in the same way and now that i talk about it god the more i think i like this movie because even that's how the, you know, there's narration from the Tilda Swinton character where she, I, I love the way this movie begins where she's like, I have to tell you this crazy over the top story, but maybe the best way I can explain it to you is as a fairy tale and sort of describing like very mundane things that we see as parts of our everyday world, like airplanes and um Phones. Cell phones. The way she described stuff. the phone of like like glass slates that pull that, that love songs from love midair. Songs. Yes, I'm yes. like that's so like I don't know. I just I like the way I, I that was one thing I definitely noticed too, where I was like, ooh, this is like sumptuous. It's very yeah, romantic. The way that it's romantic that, in the sense that it not only has like a romance, it romanticizes a lot of like again, like you said, mundane aspects of life. Yeah, and the way there's like the one bit in the movie where she tells the story to the the djinn about her imaginary friend as a child and writing the the book of details about this person and then that connecting to that kind of very moving final scene in the end where she is writing the book about her time with the djinn yeah and you know there there's a version of this movie you could see that that is um maybe none of this happened but this is sort of uh another fictional relationship she has told herself but is framing it in or maybe this is a real person she met and but she's framing it within the context of this like eternal magical mythical love story yeah it could be anything it could be it it could be a parable for some like there's so much going on with like her status as a storyteller within the film that it it can inform these kind of retellings of like she says her story is true but like how so because you're very much like you said you're framing it as a fairy tale so like did you really meet a djinn or did you just meet a man with a very storied past yes but also how did he how did he show up in your hotel room tell me about that did you hire a hooker tilda swinton 
no, uh, there's no shame. We support sex work on this podcast. Actually, I don't know if we do, but I do. Um, Hunter no, does. Yeah. <laughs> um, no comment. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, no, it's it it it. Yeah. Good movie. I I yeah, I hope I people it. will. I hope people like inevitably and like the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, maybe I like this movie more than I did. I gave it a three the other night, but I'm like, maybe this is a solid three and a half. Maybe. maybe Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I put on letterbox of just because I think that that last 20 minutes kind of drags. But yeah, um, I I think that it's, it's got so many, I think kind of like wonderful ideas in it. And as I said, I just sort of, I enjoy whenever we can give a filmmaker as talented as, as Miller kind of, a, a blank slate to just say Free do whatever rain. you want and and just get kooky yeah just get kooky and here's the thing i i would so much rather i would so much rather have a movie like this where someone is given free reign to do whatever he wants both good and bad both things that mm-hmm. work wonderfully and things that don't than something that's just in the middle mm-hmm. i want you to take swings and if those swings don't hit and you strike out fuck it who cares like you d- you tried it's it's different than like going up there and just like tapping the ball that's thrown at you yeah and like and, getting and to a, a a moderately successful deal with marvel or something yeah and it's not like i mean <laughs> in this if you even think about miller's career as like a one for them one for me i mean the one for them is like it doesn't feel like he's tired of the mad max movies like if anything he doesn't like, have to do furiosa right they would have they would have done it they would have done it with or without him they would have found another director and he said no i'm gonna do it because i think he still has a lot to believe in with that series and i don't think that george miller does a goddamn thing in his career especially at this stage no that he doesn't doesn't want to do yeah that man did not do the in that world that man did not do the mad max movies to then go on to do the happy feet or to do babe pig in the city then Uh to go do the happy feet movies to then go back to mad max if he didn't think that those were things he wanted to fucking do at the time no one does that yeah the only movie in his career that i well really i guess the only two although one of them i kind of like uh or actually really like like witches of eastwick is the one kind of like clear studio job in his filmography but i'm a a homosexual so that's a classic to me that movie's good i have nothing against that movie that i mean who doesn't want like a hilarious sex comedy with like jack nicholson playing satan and Cher, michelle pfeiffer and susan sarandon like gushing over him and then getting in all sorts of magical mission every single like, person in that, that movie a hoot. every single person in that movie every single person behind that movie icons love it i i, I love witches of eastwick but like that's a movie that he's been open about like he had a horrible time making that because of like studios breathing down his neck and and like happy feet 2 clearly seems like a movie of like um they they weren't able it was in that kind of like period where he, they kept starting and stopping Fury Road because of various outside world conditions. Yeah. And Happy Feet 2 just sort of seemed like Warner Brothers came to him and was like, yo, the Dancing Penguin movie made a ton of money and it got us an Oscar. Can you do another one? And he just sort of said, sure, I guess so. Again, I still don't think he would have done it if he truly didn't want to. Sure, yeah. But also, it's so weird that like his best experiences and his worst experiences have been at Warner Brothers. <laughs> 
Yeah. Where he's like, thank you so much for make, letting me make Fury Road. I'm going to take that as a, like an apology for what the fuck you did when we made Witches of Eastwick. Right, right. <laughs> I will accept that apology. No need to send an edible arrangement. Like, thank you. And it's like, th- I just hope, I just hope Furiosa is another one of those things because there's a part of me. I mean, granted, I felt that way about Mad Max before I saw it. When mm. I was like, is this just like, is this just a studio sequel? That yeah, they're just same. Pushing I out? thought the same thing. And then thing. you see it and you're like, oh, this is the furthest thing from that. And even then the trailers, I still was like, this looks, this looks pretty good, but it still could be. It's not until you see it. So I don't. E- even the cast said that. I remember the, the can press conference yeah. where like Charlize Theron and um, uh, Tom Hardy were like, George, we apologize for kind of like being, I mean, granted the stories I've heard of what it was like to work on that movie. I would have been a really prickly unlikable person on set as well i probably would have been done with it but them kind of apologizing to him and being like we had no idea what you were trying to achieve and now we see we were just like out in the desert every day being like i guess we got to drive from over there to over here what this is the 20th day of doing this yeah i'm just i'm incredible i am so incredibly interested to see what direction furiosa takes because on one hand a we have a whole new cast we have someone mm. else completely playing furiosa but also someone who i think has an insane screen presence right. and then on the other hand but it's not charlie's Theron though charlie's Theron kind of made furiosa but now we get to see if someone else can that's scary in its own right but then on the other hand it's like okay cool this is coming like nine years after fury road so like that's a decent amount of time but also like um and then on the other hand it's like cool is warner brothers gonna let you do everything you did in fury road or is this gonna be like george miller delves into like cgi in us and then like also is this gonna be a bigger scale movie than fury road or is this gonna be like a more muted like yeah prequel story there's so many questions that go into it and i'm very excited and i think something like three thousand years of longing um just creates more questions about the future not that it exists solely to like inform what furios is going to be like this is its own movie in its own regard but let me tell you it does not answer any questions about what's to come for me if anything it just asks far more questions well because i remember at the end of the day this motherfucker is george miller we love him love him Love him. Uh, do you have any kind of final thoughts about this movie before we kind of wrap things up? It is very imperfect, but uh, I do think it's worth seeing. Honestly, even if you're not really all that interested in it, I'm the type of person, it takes a lot for me to drag my ass out and go to the theater. It is really worth seeing on the big screen, even if oh, you kind of walk away being like, eh, it's one of those movies. There are a lot of movies right now I could tell you, like, it's fine if you wait for streaming. It really is. But, like, this is one where if you can find it on the biggest screen possible, um it's not in like imax or anything rogue one is on imax this weekend which i'm like oh come on like y'all couldn't have y'all couldn't have squeezed that in there but whatever is that because of the the andor, the andor show, show. Coming yeah in? that looks pretty good actually honestly i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i've been giving star wars a whole bunch of shit but a i love rogue one and b it looks a lot better than the other star wars shows but again trailers are trailers they could be hiding the worst thing you've ever seen behind it disney are masters at that um so we'll see but yeah i mean i wish it could have been in, been on a big screen but you know i it, it is a slight relatively inconsequential movie that also has a lot to appreciate about it and a lot to really marvel at pardon the pun 
Um, so yeah, I, it, it's not my favorite movie I've seen this year. Nowhere near my least favorite. Um, no. but it is, it is a movie that I deeply appreciate despite all of its little flaws. Yes. A, a flawed, but, um, nonetheless really fascinating movie from particularly in our um kind of landscape of of blockbusters oh, nowadays yeah yeah a very rare kind of like wild auteur project yeah that we never rarely get to see it's less well, and less each year uh hunter thank you for stopping by this week thank you for having me discussing george miller uh i guess the fall movie season is coming up yeah. And if you're not interested in that, you can get a Paramount Plus subscription and go watch Orphan First Kill and text me about it because um, that movie should be making a mil- um, like $40 million each weekend. For the should next that be weekend. in theaters? It is in That's theaters. Just, that, oh, it is in theaters? Yeah, I thought it was like a Paramount Plus original It's a, it's a hybrid release. Uh, it's not a Paramount Plus original. It's Paramount Players, which is like their like genre like mid like lower budget range brand it was produced independently warner brothers made the first movie but they were like on this one which informed that it was not going to be good and then i saw it and i was like wait a fucking second but yeah you can yeah that movie you can it i really like the release of that because it's in theaters you can rent it without having a paramount plus subscription and you can watch it on paramount plus and it's wild oh. and it's crazy and it's camp but also go see 3,000 Years of Longing because they just fucking support something that's not Disney-owned. Oh, wait. What else are you going to go see right now, America? What? There's wait, nothing else out there. Wait, I just realized I was just like, I was just uh, advocating for everyone to go see this movie to support small businesses. But oh my God, MGM is owned by Amazon. Oh, no. Well guess we'll have to leave it there top 10 (laughs) anime betrayals uh tune in in the coming weeks we'll be discussing uh titles like the don't worry darling movie we'll be discussing the movies at tiff we'll be discussed probably having an argument with someone about the movie blonde which i'm excited for but also a little bit nervous about and uh yeah just tons of other stuff we'll see